This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. I'm David and I'm joined tonight by Daniel. Hello. Andrew. What's going on, everybody? And Marisha. Uh, Merry Christmas season. That was real dumb. Oh, well. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything uh, to say. I was like, I'm just not going to just say, hey. Here we are. Happy Spider-Man Day. Yes. Is what's going on with this drops. Um, So excited for Spider-Man. So tonight on the show, we're going to give our final predictions for Spider-Man No Way Home, which, if all goes scheduled episodes drop, the day Spider-Man No Way Home comes out in theaters. We're also going to finally talk a little bit about Eternals because we all finally were able to see that movie and we're going to give our thoughts on that. Nothing really huge, groundbreaking, incredibly amazing happened in it. So like, there wasn't this huge pressure for us to talk about it right away, especially when there was so much going on. Uh, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about the Wheel of Time show that Daniel and Marisha have been watching. Andrew, have you have you been watching that? I haven't started it yet. Neither have I. So we'll sit quietly and drink our water and think about life while they talk about Wheel of Time. <laughs> I did. Um, I did get the first book in this week. Yeah. And now I'm kind of torn on whether I want to read the book first or watch the episode, or if I want to watch the series first. Well, maybe Daniel can give you some insight into that. But before we get there. We'll start off with the thing that I've been dying to talk about ever since I saw it, Eternals. Uh, Andrew and Marisha, you guys saw Eternals a while ago, didn't you? Yeah, we saw it. Did we see it opening weekend? We did, yes. I was working okay. out of town, and y'all drove up there to see it. That's right. Hopefully, hopefully y'all remember it. Uh, me and Daniel saw it like a week, maybe two ago, uh, so it's still a bit fresher in our minds, and I, I, I'm just going to start by saying the one thing I've been wanting to say this whole time. Um, holy clap, crap, holy clap, holy crap, Celestials are so freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Celestials are definitely really cool. That was my biggest takeaway from the movie, honestly. I will tell you what pops into my head about Celestials. It has nothing to do with the movie. But the fact that they made the Celestial work proves that you can do Galactus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. And it makes me more terrible. excited for what they're going to do with the Galactus in the MCU. Because you know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, the Celestial stuff is super cool. Um, but we'll get into some, some details in a second. First of all, I'll start with you guys. What did y'all think overall of Eternals? Were you disappointed? Did it exceed expectations? Where does it fit in sort of your, your MCU ranking vaguely you know it's one that going into it I, I was really excited about this one for a long time and as we got closer my my expectations kind of waned a little bit but um honestly i don't i don't understand what some people were really upset with this movie about um it's, it's not a perfect movie it's not 
by any stretch the worst MCU film. No. Um, it's I don't know. I don't know yet. You know, I usually like to see these movies twice before I talk about them, and uh, that's been harder to do without a local theater. But it's uh, you know, overall, I found it to be an enjoyable movie. I like most of the characters. I, I like this kind of you know grander scope thing with characters that are a little less concerned with you know, day-to-day life, their their perspective is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it really doesn't necessarily deserve all the hype at the beginning, like, oh, Marvel finally makes an Oscar-bait movie. It's the huh. greatest thing that no. Marvel ever conceived of. I mean... You can tell they kind of went for that, and, yeah. it, and it comes off in places of a little pretentious because of that. But I don't think that it hits. I don't think that it really hits the right notes. It's not the the best performances in the MCU. Probably the at least the top five performances in the MCU are not in that movie. Yeah, and none of them won. No, no way. So you know, like no. I said, I don't have any huge criticisms with any of the characters yeah. per se. But uh, it's. I also don't understand all the hate, though. It's like, I don't understand the, like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. It is an absolutely stunning movie. And it would probably, in most years, be up for some awards on that kind of stuff. But Dune's going to take all that. Yeah. Right. Um, And, and well, and honestly, in a lot of ways, it coming out so close to Dune probably hurt it a little bit on the... Impressing people with his visuals. Not that it wasn't beautiful and not that it wasn't, you know, not that it wasn't great, not that it wasn't well done, but I mean, Dune just knocked it out of the park visually. That was a really hard one to follow with anything, especially another kind of similar genre movie. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, I still think it'll get some nominations, I'm sure. And Honestly, I think some of the visuals were just absolutely incredible. Like I said, the celestial stuff. Uh, There were some great shots, uh, some just really cool cinematic stuff. I I really love the whole final act of the movie. Like visually, I think that that was a really cool and interesting Mm -hmm. location for like the final fight to be on top of this like celestial that's coming out of the earth. That's awesome. That is far removed from like a concrete room that the the end of civil war happened in Mm -hmm. so i really appreciate that but the biggest fault for me in this movie and what kind of lets it down is is the character stuff there were a lot of characters in this movie and i did like some of them but i did not really connect with anybody in the movie except for maybe the guy filming everything like he was probably the one character I like related to, at all. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Kit Harrington's character. Yeah, we definitely gonna have to talk about that cutscene. Yeah, he was the most relatable. Yeah. I connected to him. He for he was barely in the movie, and he is the most relatable character in the entire thing. And I right. connect to him the most by far. Everybody else, I they just fall flat for me. I think I, there are some fun characters. I think that some of them are charming and funny, but I did not feel. Right. 
a connect. Oh wait, Gilgamesh. I think out of the Eternals, I think Gilgamesh was the one that I, I like felt Gil. the most. Connected Gilgamesh to, was an awesome character. Yeah, but he's dead. And yep. he's the, he was the only one with any real personal depth. Yeah. Like I said, I think they well, kind of went for this. Th- well, I, I think they kind of went for this thing with the um, their their gods, right? So they're kind of above the fray, and they're kind of they're kind of aloof, and they're and I think they went to I think they tried too hard with that and made them unrelatable, and made them un- somewhat uninteresting because they're not interested. Well. I can agree to that on some level, except that um, with characters like Cersei, who that was kind of her whole thing was she was the one who really did love humanity mm-hmm. and love Earth, right? And, and and want to connect with human beings on some level. I mean, she was she was she was when the movie opened. She's dating Dane. She's falling in love with a human, you know, and that was. And that's where some of the the conflict in the heart of the movie tried to come from. So I think they went for that on some level, but then you get characters like Icarus, who, and actually, I think there is a lot of depth to Icarus. He, he did some terrible things, but they sent it on a level of he wasn't just evil. These things were hard for him to do. He, yeah. Um, he... He killed their leader who he loved and respected and followed for thousands of years and was in anguish about it. And we saw that there, there is depth to that character. No, I I do agree with that. And, and he's, you know, that is interesting because yes, their leader here on earth, but you know, this thing where he basically saw her as betraying their reason for existing. Correct. and in right, going exactly. against that was, but that's where the that's where his conflict. He really was a conflicted character. Yeah, and I hate his ending in this film. I don't know if we're ready to talk about that yet, but we're we're left to believe he is dead. They've yeah. killed him off. Whenever you have a character who obviously had that much, he was supposed to be at the end of it is set up to where he's a he's a villain. But he's a conflicted villain. He's, yeah. There was a lot there you could have done with him in a sequel. We always talk about, and sometimes we get a little bit jaded with every villain has to have a redemption cycle. Everybody gets to yeah. be redeemed. Da, 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 da. Kylo Ren is a prime example. We debate that. Low. To this day, we debate that amongst the four of us. But... There was actually a legitimate opportunity and interesting arc to be had with Icarus's redemption if he had survived the film. There was no reason to kill him off. He left the planet. Let him let the story just be that he left. He's got to get away. He'll go reflect for a little while, whatever it is he's going to do. He took himself out of the equation. Let that be his ending. And then we can bring him back and see him more to the character because to me he's the one that had the most depth yeah well, i mean i guess here's the thing so, like just kind of since we're talking icarus do you believe icarus is dead so the screenwriter well, said we're, we're, we're left to believe that i think we're set up to believe that especially because the screenwriter said icarus is dead but 
That being said, many times in the MCU, a screenwriter says one thing and a director says an entirely different thing. Yeah. Well, uh, and ultimately, ultimately, Kevin Feige says. Yeah. Ultimately, so I think it is it's set up to where, like, I think we're supposed to think he's dead, but he could come back. Right. I hope he comes back because his redemption arc is the obvious place to go. In the theater, whenever he flew into the sun, me and Daniel looked at each other with the same exact face of, like, what the hell? That's it. Like, and then why? as soon as we got out, we were like, we both had the same thought of like, he, he we need to see his redemption arc because that would that's the that is the next interesting place to go, especially because I feel like in this movie, for the majority of it, he was a bit of a charisma vacuum. I think he was interesting. I think he had depth. I don't think he was very charismatic at all. No, I don't necessarily oh, no, think this is a bad thing, but I found him kind of boring. Until that twist came, which, by the way, I'll give my dad some credit. As soon, like, literally five minutes after Icarus showed up, he looked at me and goes, so Icarus is the bad guy. Yeah. Like, he called it. And I was, I didn't call it. I there was were like, a lot. I, I was like, eh. I was kind of holding out on whether to believe it or not. Because a lot of people were saying that after the first trailer. Really? Yeah, there were there were people that watched because I watched a lot of reactions, and there were people after the first trailer went. So Icarus is the bad guy, right? It's like, (laughs) and so because of that, I was like, if it's really that obvious to people, will they really go that route? But they did. Um, And I think that's kind of the thing with this movie is I don't know. I, I I think that you can kind of see the whole thing coming. You know, here's here's part of my I, now, thing. Now, I think that some of Icarus, how far Icarus went with his betrayal. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I realized it well before they pointed out what he had done, but not immediately. Like, there was at some point in about the middle of the movie, I was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, where you realize, like, things, either, either they're intentionally showing us things out of sequence, or he killed her. Mm-hmm. Right. Well... Yeah. Honestly, I feel like this movie went a little bit Justice League in that here's like, here's 12 characters, you're supposed to care about them all, and you don't know anything about them. So be emotionally invested. I I sort of feel like they fell in their own trap. They, they, the the buildup, and of course, you're introducing a group that really only works together, right? Right. I mean, I guess you could have done individual movies, but... No, there's there's no way to have introduced these characters without referencing the other ones. That's not how. But we could have work. seen them. I don't want a Druid solo film. <laughs> I want I want a film of them fighting some sort of cosmic. I feel like if they had started like some kind of prequel with them fighting some kind of cosmic conflict a long time ago, um, and you know had them save the world, you know it. And right. That, that would have worked, you might have but been it ultimately doesn't work with the overall story, where they've literally just been acting out the same, same story for eons. Over and over and over, because we see them awaken from their sleep and be introduced to Earth, and it's and they're fresh, they're clean, their memories have been wiped. It's all over again the first time they've ever been introduced to each other. That is where their story starts. As right, but we didn't spend very concerned. long there. So, 
We but, just we didn't get to I, see I, them I, actually be a team very much. No, so you're supposed I to be agree. invested in them as a team, so that whenever it's it's heartbreaking when they break up. But we really only spent what twenty minutes watching them be a team. Yeah. Yeah. The problem right. with that is there's a lot of tell don't show because of the fact that they've been on Earth for five thousand years and you can't show all of that. There's a lot of conversations right. of like, I've been loyal to you for five thousand years, and it's like we've been blah 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 for five thousand years, and oh, me and Icarus have been together for two thousand years, and I've and a lot of like you've always loved the humans, like a lot of saying things mm -hmm. because you have to without showing it to us, right? Because you can't cover the 5,000 years. Now, they did have some flashbacks here and there. But I, I still don't think that that worked quite well. Because it was just like seeing them fighting deviants. And then they would like kind of like dance with some humans. Some of them would. Yeah. But I yeah. just don't think there was enough. No, I mean, I think the most interesting thing about the flashbacks were the amazing cityscapes that they did mm -hmm. with Babylon and the hanging yeah, gardens and that kind of stuff. I mean, they did an amazing job with that stuff. And they show, and they also they showed us most of the montage with Icarus and Cersei in the first trailer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I did not buy Icarus and Cersei's love at all. That was another situation where, especially on Icarus's side, where there was a lot of like him just saying, "I love you. You're beautiful," and it's like, okay, but like, what do you love about her? Uh, and can you're, I just say you're this too? beautiful. Well, while we're talking about some of this stuff, and and again, I'm going to start the conversation about Icarus because I do find the character interesting. The way he's portrayed in this movie, I I, I liked it. But some of this stuff, like David pointing out that he's not very charismatic, and the love story between he and Cersei, like you didn't really. There's not a lot of chemistry. I'm not, y'all. I'm I'm not sure how how much of that falls on Richard Madden. Like, mm -hmm. no, I think that the director. Not, I think the director went for those muted acting tones. I really think. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but also in the other stuff I've seen Richard Madden in, he's he he yeah. kind of have a tendency has a tendency to do that. I like. For example, me and Dad talk about it at the time. There's the show The Bodyguard. That was his next big thing after Game of Thrones. And he is so dull and boring and lifeless I, in the show. And y'all, that, that show gets good reviews. I don't like that show. I, don't I didn't like, like it. Oh, he was brilliant it. in Cinderella, though. I watched it for Richard Madden because I, want, I wanted to see him in something different than Game of Thrones. Like, let's see what he actually is capable of. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. I want to like Richard. We're getting Madden. off topic a little bit. We're getting off topic a little bit, but I'm just saying. But well, he was he was he was perfectly captivating as as Prince Charming in Cinderella in 2015. I mean, he totally and he wasn't in it just you know a ton. I didn't see that. Um. Yeah. No. He you he was totally believable as the fairy tale prince. Like he was a charming. Yes, he was charming. Uh -huh. Okay. Not well, even maybe, a well, charisma that would be a requirement for Prince Charming. Yeah, That's, he would, yeah, yeah. He would hope. So I guess it might it, it might fall on the director. I really don't know. Um, I really don't know. If that's but, the tone they were going for, and that's the performance they wanted, then he did fine. a good job. Yeah, they hit it. Yeah. They hit all those notes. Mm -hmm. And I think all the other actors did yeah. okay. Um, 
I think I think honestly my favorite acting performance in the movie was probably Angelina Jolie. I really liked her in this movie. Yes. And yeah. I was gonna mention this. Wait a minute. Angelina Jolie even being in this film is just astonishing. For for mm-hmm. a for an actress that at the, at the point of her career she's in, where Angelina Jolie basically can just pick anything she wants. Yeah. To have to have gotten her to agree to be in this film with an ensemble cast, and oh by the way, she's not even top one, two, three, or four billing in that ensemble. Mm-hmm. Is just it it's it blows my mind that they agreed to get her that they got her to agree to do it, and then her performance is and I mean she's the most talented one of you know what I mean she's the most accomplished actress in the cast yeah so it it doesn't surprise you that her performance really is like I thought she was great yeah she was. And and the entire fact she's in that movie just blows my mind. Yeah. And she, you know, she was another one that I felt like her character had so much, like, pathos. um, And really just a lot of Mm -hmm. dynamics that we just didn't get to see because there were, what, nine characters in the ensemble? You know, you just can't give everybody the... You just can't give everybody the amount of time they need to really invest in them, and that you know, no. with that many leads. Now that being said, I do think that they did a a reasonable job of not trying. I mean, they didn't try to give them all equal time. That's true. Um, right. You know, so they they didn't just totally fall in the trap of trying to give the whole cast equal time. I mean, you know, you go get a big name to play Ajax, and then. Mm-hmm. She's going fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked. I really thought we were going to see a whole lot more of her. Yeah. I really like her story in this one, though. Her sort of um, coming around on the humans. I, 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 I do like a lot of the storytelling in this movie. The overall story of what's going on, I really like. Mm-hmm. And I really like her scene where she says, like, yeah... We're supposed to let the world die, but um, when Thanos wiped out half of the world, it was these people who brought who brought yep. them back. Right, and so in her mind, maybe the you humans should make an exception, and I one hundred percent buy it. Yeah, and I like that. I like that in her mind that she had done what she was supposed to do. That the humans had had risen in potential to the point where they could stop a galactic threat. Yeah. An Avengers level threat, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's why she was like, "No, I don't think we should destroy the Earth because the entire galaxy was wiped in half, and it was humans who brought it back. It was it was a dude, like a, a Bruce Banner, a man, mm-hmm. a human did it. So I, I really like that motivation. It made perfect sense. I really like the storytelling. I like the overall story in this movie a lot, and some of the concepts they introduce." really well it just falls apart at the characters for me um especially towards the end where all right let's go over this so at the end of the movie what are we left with with our with our heroes quote unquote right um icarus uh tried to destroy earth and is a bad guy but there's room for redemption but point is he's bad guy Uh, um uh the guy the, the guy who was the bollywood actor he 
sat down. Just and was gonna let the bailed. Ba- yeah, just completely bailed. Bailed. Yep. So okay, screw him. Druick, yes, he held, but Druick's a freaking asshole. So mm-hmm. I don't care about him. Um, the the black guy, the guy who's like the engineer, um, his motivation made no sense for me. Because whenever they go to recruit him, he's like, I can't help you save the world. I've got to watch after my husband and my son. Dude, if the earth is destroyed, your <laughs> husband and son will die. Yeah. That made no sense for me and really bothered me. Um, Sprite tried to help Icarus stop the stop the other Eternals. And also, she was kind of annoying. And now she's a human. And I want to kick her in the face. So whatever. Um, the, the death- I'll defend Sprite a little bit. Eh, I didn't like the whole love story thing. I didn't. I. I, I didn't like that whole angle. Um, then you had the the deaf woman, the speedy one, who we know nothing about except that she really wanted to go home, and we know nothing about her. Yeah. Then we had Gilgamesh, who was really cool, but then he died. He and was really cool, but he's also the. You know, this is the only one or the first one to show any sense of selflessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that he gave up, you know, millennia to watch over. Um, mm-hmm. Thena. Over Thena. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then he's, he's, he's great. He's dead. And then you have Thena who's really cool. But like, barely had a line in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, like, other than like the whole madness stuff, I still don't really know anything about her. Other than that, like, she's really good at fighting. Yeah. I don't know anything about. Now, her. I do think if you move forward, we do see more of her. If if we do I, a sequel, I, I think oh, that yeah. we've. I think that we sort of had her as an aside. To you know, she was more used as, almost as a plot device to explain. She was a plot device. What her. what could happen, like, you know, to explain the whole mind wipe thing later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, and I do like how, if you pay attention, they were hinting at what was going on from the, like, towards the beginning with her madness stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Once they tell you, you go, holy crap, they really told us that early. <laughs> and we just didn't know what they meant yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just didn't know. That's what I'm saying. The overall storytelling was really good. I just didn't like the characters. Yeah, I think the characters could have been stronger. I don't dislike all of them. Um, I like the way that they showed... um, You know, for most of the film, I liked Kingo. uh, uh, Kumal Nanjiani's character. Yeah. Uh, Makari, I like what I like. I mean, we we don't know much about Makari... Um, I was really excited to see another speedster in the MCU, and I thought that they, the way they chose to do it and do it different than they've done speedsters in the past with the way they visually showed it, mm-hmm. was was nice. Um, I I would like that we yeah. didn't. You know, I love the stuff like they did with like the X Men Quicksilver, um, where we get the slow motion running and we get the up close, and they kind of tried to do that in Justice League, and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like that we didn't try to zoom in and, and show the up close or everything else. We just showed her as a blur mm-hmm. and yeah. not just a blur, mm-hmm. a powerful blur. And it was pretty cool. I really liked all the powers and I was kind of like mm-hmm. thinking that they were going to be stupid. Like, no, they were oh, 
the Eternals, like I thought, I thought the power was gonna be stupid. They were really cool, and I liked the way everybody used their abilities mm-hmm. in fighting. Mm-hmm. I think it was there were yeah. some really cool moments uh, of people using their abilities in creative ways. Um, I I like the ending of Cersei using her ability to like change things. Like I think that was a cool way to resolve the plot, mm-hmm. rather than just yeah. like people shooting colors at each other. I think it was cool that she did that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff I like when it comes to like the power usage of the characters. I think that what was the 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 black guy's name? It was um, started with a P. Kang. No. No. Um, Different movie. Uh, Fastos. Fastos, yeah. I think all of his stuff was really cool. Uh, the way that he was like using almost like a Green Lantern, yeah, like, con- constructing these things and and, I, and I, I ended up liking the character from the trailers. I wasn't sure if I was going to like the character because the lines that they had him deliver in the trailer, just those lines on their own, seemed so weird and off. But they, in the context of the movie, they work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was pretty funny, but I, I, li- I ended up liking that yeah, character. It was good. Fine. Um, Did anybody else get tired of the? But Icarus thinks that he should be in charge, but he wasn't the chosen one. Narrative. I got a little well, tired of like. No, kind of not really, because. But I think that's part they, of the whole. I think that's yeah, really such whole, an important point, part of the story. Uh, yes, the the whole point was. The entire rest of the group expected him to have been next in line because that was the way their dynamic had been for 5,000 years. It was Ajax, then it was Icarus. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, and that kind of fits the plot and the story that's going on is they're questioning, why did Ajax pick Cersei? So it it, it creates a, a question. Yeah. I, right. can, I can see that. Yeah, which which also helps towards like the hinting, the hinting of the of the big twist uh, mm-hmm. towards the end, which I think was really good. Um, there's some uh, some other things about the movie I want to I just want to talk about, but I don't really have a way to segue into them, so I'm just going to throw them out if that's okay with everybody. Sure. Mm-hmm. I love the concept that. Within Earth, there's the celestial egg. Basically, it's an egg that is going to be hatched, and that I think it all really worked and made sense. I was able to follow it really well. That like mm-hmm. there needed to be more sentient life to um, to fuel this egg, and eventually will lead to this celestial that is born from the Earth. And then the visual of him coming out. And now I really like the idea that there's just like this this island that mm-hmm. is just celestial like i hope we go back to that in something else mm-hmm. like yeah. celestial island or whatever or god's hand or whatever they call it but i really like that concept because there is this comic book story called earth x and within earth x long story short it's explained that the reason galactus eats planets is to get the energy from those eggs that are hmm. in these planets and that the reason Galactus exists is almost like it's a cosmic check and balance thing. Like, if Galactus didn't exist, then there would be an overwhelming amount of Celestials born. And it would be unbalanced. So it's like this cosmic balance. And I thought that was—I think that's a really cool concept. I've loved that ever since I read that story, Earth-X. And 
I was like, I, I wonder if there's anything to that. And I looked it up, and apparently a few years ago, Kevin Feige said he really wanted to make an Earth-X movie, but that there was no way they could do it. Because Earth-X is like a dystopia where like everybody turned, everybody got superpowers, and mm-hmm. Reed Richards became Doctor Doom, and just like really messed up stuff. But Kevin Feige really wanted to make an Earth-X movie, apparently. Hmm. And there's just no way to do it. And now, here we are, and he's incorporated that concept into this movie, which came out of nowhere, and I just really liked that. What do you, what do you guys think about about all that? How do you how do you feel about that beat of the story? Well, I thought that was really interesting. I think that was, you know, of course, that's what really gives it the the weight and the the urgency. Um, but it's, um, I thought it all worked really well. I, I thought all of that as the the plot as the the ultimate thing they're fighting against works. And you know, it was. Yeah. The other thing about it was Icarus did have a point. Like this it like without the without the celestials, life ends, not just life here. Like life in the universe ends without the celestials. So like this is it's just it's part of the natural order. Just let it let it happen. This is how it works. And I mean, and if you look at it from a certain point of view, I mean it's complicated because in order to save the world, they kill an innocent. Like, this creature, this celestial isn't in, you know, you can blame the people who seeded, you know, the the egg in, in, in the earth, but it's an innocent. It, it, it didn't ask for this. It's just, it's just being born. Um, and so... It's one of the, you know, sometimes they introduce conflicts where it's like, like nobody really, nobody really believes that. Like that's such a ridiculous motivation. Like, you know, your, your villains just come out with this mantras. It's like, because I'm a, you know, selfish jackass is basically their, their motivation. And yeah. if you're going to, to make one of your heroes, you know, make your heroes fight each other, you really have to give them a compelling reason to do so. And I feel like this was this was one of those things where, honestly, I think you could look at the people on either side of this debate and that they could be good people and they could, you know, it, it's that, that question, is it morally acceptable to kill one person to kill, to save everyone else? You know, it's still problematic. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that part of the storytelling, which is which is why Ajax's conversation with Icarus works so well and is so important. Because you're right, when you think about it a certain way, they should let the Celestial be born and destroy Earth and then make life, make billions of more lives. But like Ajax said... These guys are spe- – the humans are special. They're an exception to the rule mm-hmm. because they stopped yeah. Thanos. Yeah. The scrolls well, the didn't is... stop Thanos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I live on Earth. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of on that side of it. Yeah, I'm not worried about about the billions of other, I'm not worried about all the billions of other life that has not been created yet. I'd I'd like to still have the planet that I live on be here. That seems kind of important. 
I think I'm gonna write. Yeah, but I'm sure there are people rewrite who, like, one of my college papers. In college, I wrote I was in wildlife <laughs> management, and in one of my English classes, I wrote a paper on because we were doing dystopian literature, and I wrote a paper on managing the human race using wildlife management theory. Oh God. And that's, that's basically the conversation. That's kind of morbid. It's kind of morbid, but that's what we were doing. And I mean, that's what I mean. A lot of dystopian sci-fi, basically, that's what it is. It basically, boils down to oh, yeah. is treating humans like yeah. like cattle. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like we're basically talking when we talk about natural order, we're talking wildlife management theory. You know, of which one of these two events is the more important. Important. Which one is it more important that they survive? And, and the thing is, it, it's mutually exclusive. There's no middle ground. Somebody lives and somebody dies. And I mean, to be the the, the characters who have to make that call, that's brutal, right? But then it, it, I, I like the idea of like, what happens when the next Thanos shows up and likes to kill the galaxy? Is is Howard the Duck gonna stop him? <laughs> I don't know, man. He fought in Endgame. No. Howard yes, he might. Did. Howard might. I don't think Howard has the willpower for the snap. <laughs> don't, don't be still on Howard short. Bro. <laughs> you just you get my point. Like, is is the duck race going to rise up and they're going to be the ones to save the day? The you know it's going to be Trevor Slattery that's going to save the earth next time. But he's a human. <laughs> oh, that's my point exactly. He's a human. And, and, and they're special. So, in the context of the universe, I think it is a perfect example, perfect argument of like why they deserve to to live, and and I really like all that. I got I got more faith in I got more faith in Howard than I do Trevor. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give Howard the duck that win. He gets one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he gets one. But you see my point, like in this universe, mm-hmm. yeah, that the humans are the yeah. are the heroes. And, you know, it's probably because it's being – the stories are being written by uh, humans who live on Earth. They're a bit biased, but still. <laughs> so I really like those storytelling concepts. I, I mean, just um, just kind of to, to sum up what I thought about this movie, I mean, you know, and I kind of already said, you know, I really like – I really enjoy the story. It's a beautiful film. Some of the characters fall a little bit flat. But overall, I think it's a really well-told story. And I don't care what Chloe Zhao said – that movie did not need a sex scene. I do want to discuss that very briefly. I won't go deep into it because we went yeah, real deep into that a couple of weeks ago. That scene, she acted like that sex scene was absolutely critical to understanding the physical relationship between those two characters. But you get this buildup with them, with the kiss and the other things where we see them together and then it ends with the sex scene. But you already had this you know, really actually beautifully done montage of their love for each other and you didn't need the sex scene stuck on the end of it to understand that they loved each other yeah here's the thing even with the sex scene i still didn't care about the relationship so no but i mean that's what i'm saying though like they acted like this was this big important critical thing because the bottom line is she wanted to stick a sex scene in it or or the writer did because actually it was the writer that put that in there not her uh but she was all too happy to to do it it was 100% unnecessary, especially in what is supposed to be a family film. As tame as it is, it's still 100% unnecessary to understanding the relationship between those two characters. 
No, it didn't. It wasn't like, oh, I don't buy this. Oh, well, now I buy the fact that they love each other. Because, you know, those two things are, you know, always go together. You know, you can't you can't buy any romantic relationship as actually being loving unless you get to see a sex scene. You know who, uh, what relationship I did buy in this movie? Cersei and Dane. Yeah. Yeah. You know who didn't, you know who didn't have a sex scene? Cersei and Dane. Now, they, Look, they can say what they about want about why it was... I don't have a personal stake in that. Like, it's not like I have kids that I have to worry about taking to the movie or not. We, like I said, we went well, over it's that. It's not before. graphic anyway. It's not like we were sitting there watching an NC-17. It, it wasn't even R-rated worthy graphic. It's not that big a deal to me one way or the other. Did you take your five-year-old? No, well... Like, I no, no, seriously. Kids, like, if but... you were sitting there next to your child in the theater and that scene came on... Like your current young children, and that scene came up, you would be totally comfortable. I don't think I, don't, I can't say I'd be totally comfortable, but I wouldn't have been like, "Oh my god, I got to get out of this theater right now." Well, no, and I'm, I wasn't I either. I mean, we obviously grand. didn't do that. But right. sitting there with my kids, there's this moment where I'm yanked out of the movie because I go, you know, oh, because shit, I go, oh, shit, oh, my shit, kids oh. are sitting here, and this was totally unnecessary. I see the I. I I see the point of like it was uh, it was unnecessary. I mean the thing uh, is my question is always and I think this is the question that directors should ask and writers should ask at every single step in a story does it benefit the story? And the answer to that is no, absolutely not. Not any more than Canto Bite helped the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what we're saying is this sex scene is the canto bite. It is the canto bite of the MCU, yes. It was like, because we wanted to do this thing. Okay, did it help the story? No. Did it make you any more invested because, in the relationship? No, but now it's Ryan there. Johnson really wanted to talk about war profiteering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they put right. canto bite. Let's it's, talk about... It's fine that it's in there. Like, I, I have no problem. It doesn't color my overall opinion of the film. I just mm-hmm. think they made a really big deal out of it for nothing. Yeah, I see that point yeah. entirely. They made a big deal out of it for nothing. I'd argue that the diversity thing, same thing. They made a big deal of it for nothing. But I, within the cuz within the movie, it it wasn't made a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which exactly. I think and I appreciate helped. that. Well, it shouldn't be made a big deal. Exactly. But that's, within, that's kind of the point. We got to we, we in press no, conferences well, and 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 hype for the movie that was made a big. We made a joke on the podcast the other the other night that if you watch the red carpet and take a shot every time somebody says the word diverse, you would die. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the only thing. Like anytime anyone would say, so tell us about this movie. This movie is so diverse. It's like tell us about the movie. Like it's twenty twenty one. You know, like. Yeah, we have it, to that get should to a be point a given in society where that's no longer a big deal. Where Here's it the thing: what it is. I think we're already at a point where they just need to do it and act like it's not a big deal. Yes, because Correct. honestly, it We've should be a there. given. We've been there for a while. At this point in the world, it should just be a given that everybody in the movie is not a white man, and we should just be able to make movies and just act like that's right. how life is because it is and yeah. it should be. Unless. Let's also get to a point where we don't cry every time the white man is in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that happens too. 
Uh-huh. It does. It, just, Why couldn't they have cast a, an actor of color in this movie? Because he's a good actor and he happens to be white. Fucking get over it. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> get over it. Yeah. So, overall, I think that pretty much covers the movie, except for one thing, the end credit scene. Um, we had to look up to be sure. Well, there were two end credit scenes, right? Yes. The first one was what? The first one is uh is Eros. <laughs> Harry Styles. Eros? Yeah. Which was just awesome, oh, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, it yeah, was right, completely right. I don't awesome. know if any of you know anything about Star Fox. Only I'm thing I know about Star the Fox. character is what David told us when we recorded our last predictions. Dude, he will absolutely forever and always be Star Fox to me. And... And and it just the yeah. imp coming in whenever he showed up when he started being the hype man I'm slapping David in the face and you know yeah. who that was right Star Fox Star Fox Star Fox yeah that was uh, Pat Oswalt uh, Pat Oswalt huh yeah yep. right which is I said awesome. Star Fox is Star I said I said the only character in the MCU that would have a hype man is Star Fox and sure enough <laughs> I'm like this is this is yeah. great like I'm, and I. I just, I ate it up. I loved it. I loved, I absolutely uh, yeah. loved that. A lot of people had an ever-loving fit about the fact that Harry Styles was the character. I thought it was fantastic. Well, that's another thing I was going to say is, I have no idea if Harry Styles can act. I, I mean, he was so sure. I don't either. I don't know about that either. You know what? If um, he can he act, on, I don't care. He was on screen for like five seconds and yep. showed more charisma in his pinky finger than Icarus <laughs> did the entire movie. So, so far, oh, yeah. I'm on and board with And that's what Star Fox is. Yeah. Star yeah. Fox is that that confident, that overly confident ladies' man kind of character. I, he, you know, he's he's the one with the little, with the little wink in the head nod all the time. You know what I mean? And, mm. and, he, and he pulled that, and he wasn't on screen for long. But that's the vibe you got from him from the little bit of time he was on screen. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I did enjoy that. I thought they absolutely nailed that. I they absolutely it. nailed that. And Because Pip the Troll, he's a big deal. He's actually a big uh, uh, Adam Warlock adjacent character. Hmm. Um, hmm. So it's cool to see what they're going to do with them. I have no idea what they're going to do with these characters because it's like, well, are they going to be in the next Guardians movie? Are we getting in Eternals two, and then like that picks up with, with in Star Fox and Pipper and that? Um, now everybody's in space, and it's all kind of up in the air. And you can put these characters in all sorts of different movies, which I think is really cool. I have no idea how right. they're going to do the whole. We talked about this a little bit in the car after the show. No idea how they're going to do the whole Thanos brother thing because they say Thanos's brother. Um, well, at least like they signed like Which the. I def- didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, but then he I also says that I thought he says the, he is the, an eternal. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, what's confusing. The, I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't trying to keep interrupting you, David, but you're good. You're good. I honestly thought that for the, for the benefit, or for the good of, still letting the Thanos thing fit in the MCU where we already had it established. I thought it was best that we just completely ignore the fact that Thanos is an eternal. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought we were going to do. So whenever they said that, it actually surprised me because now I need to see how they're going to explain that and have it make sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we kind of get the impression just from 
Eros appearing and having the conversation he did that maybe some other Eternals have sort of broken out of celestial control and have established their mm-hmm. own society, mm-hmm. which in the comics is the way it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm hoping we get more of that background and they'll fill in some of the Thanos stuff from there and and make it make sense. I was surprised they went that route. I, I don't I don't think that any I don't think it serves any kind of plot point at this point in the MCU to have Thanos be an eternal. No. And, and I mean, so, you know, we'll have to see what it is. I mean, you know, they could go with that. It's an, an adoption, you know, an adopted brother sort of thing or, or something. I think it could go any number that. of ways with it. Yeah. Cause it also, does seem like a if they're blood brothers. Um, why does, is Harry Styles not big and purple and have a weird chin? Yeah. Well, in the explanation for that, well, in the no, uh, comic, is a latent deviant gene. Because right? Thanos is, is a deviant, right? Right. Well, he's, he's, no, he's an eternal he's not, with a latent deviant gene, right? But they're not. Wait, but not, the Eternals no, in this no. version are constructed. They're basically androids. Eternals do carry a deviant gene, as I think you pointed that out just now, Andrew. And Thanos carries that deviant gene, and that's what gave him this physical appearance that he has. Okay. But he is, he's legitimately Eros's brother, like full-blooded brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, at this point, I don't think, I, I don't think they did this without a plan. I don't think they went that route without yeah. some kind of plan. It's a crazy time to be bringing right. Thanos back up though, because Thanos is gone. Correct. It, it, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It was. I don't know what plot point it serves at all. Well, I think I think to have him show up that. and I think to have him show up and make that announcement because we all kind of knew who the character was in his relation to Thanos, so it didn't really mean anything to us. But for your casual movie goer, I think it it immediately gives you perspective on where he comes from. Right. Yeah. I guess. I think it was a great introduction overall. It was. That was that was well done. They pulled yeah. that they they hit that out of the park. Mm-hmm. So then the next end credit scene was the Black Knight stuff, which they started hinting at at the end of the movie proper. He's like about to tell Cersei a secret and then Celestial shows up. Um so we see him kind of messing with the ebony blade. And then we hear a voice in the background that says something like, are you sure you're ready for that? Mm-hmm. And then cut the black. Do you guys, Andrew and Marisha, do y'all know whose voice that is? That was Mahershal Ali. It was Blade. It was, yep, it was Blade. Yep. Hmm. I don't know why it was Blade. But cool, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, right? What was funny about that. that was, what was funny about that was, we watched the, the so the Morbius trailer comes up before this film. Right, and I told David during the trailer, I said, "What are the chances Blade shows up Morbius?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know." I said, "Well, think about it." Marshala Ali was cast around the same time they started filming Morbius. So then, all of a sudden, when we get him at the end of this, I told David again. I said, "Well, I guess they cast him around the same time they were filming this too." So it makes sense mm-hmm. both ways. Yeah, but yeah, no, I wasn't expecting that at all. What I wanted. See, I wasn't I wasn't as happy with that scene as I was the arrow scene or the Star Fox scene because what I wanted was I wanted to see Dane pick up the sword yeah. and transform. Yeah, well that's I what wanted I wanted to see, to see and they teased Knight. it and they teased it twice. 
Because they they teased it at the end of the film, the actual end of the movie, and then they teased it in the stinger, and just before he picked it up, Blade cuts him off. So I I was when they when they teased it the first time, I was like, okay, maybe they'll show it Mm -hmm. in the post credit. And then when the post credit was also a tease, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Like now, in retrospect, I'm like, fine, it is what it is. The middle scene was... The, it's gotten to where the stingers have not been as important as the uh, the mid credit scene anyway. Mm-hmm. It's been that way for a while. I mean, you got to remember, like, post credit scenes, we've gotten things like, you know, Captain America's um, PSA videos and uh, Howard, <laughs> Howard yeah. the Duck and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it would have... It would have just been a exclamation point to end the movie on the last thing you see visually if you walk out of the theater to watch him transform into Black Knight right there and then have him give some kind of quick one-liner or something and cut to black. It would have been perfect. That's what I was expecting. That's what I wanted, and I was. I'd, so I will tell you, I left the theater a little bit disappointed that all I got was Blade's voice. Yeah, really? Yeah, that reminds me. um, The coolest moment of the movie for me was seeing Kit Harrington and Richard Madden like say hello to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, Rob and John finally got to see each other again. That's nice. Um, But yeah, I so I have no idea. Is Black Knight going to be in the Blade movie? Is Blade going to be in Eternals 2? Uh, Huh? uh, See, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't fit at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I have no idea. Andrew and Marisha, you guys have any speculation on that? I mean, my suspicion is is that we may see him, even if briefly, in the Blade movie. That that, that, that has that to be a reason. Sense to me. There has to be a reason to link the two characters. Like you don't just do that if you They're were just swords. if you were just going to do that just because, then you do Nick Fury, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, like if you're just if it's no, if it's for no reason and you just need someone to show up and say, "You sure you're ready for that?" Then of course you do Nick Fury. Yeah. So right. I, I'm and for for a, for a brief minute before we realized before it clicked in my head whose voice it was. That's who I thought and was kind of hoping it was. Yeah. Well, that's kind of who I okay, initially. It's ass- not really going. Right. Well, that's kind of who I initially assumed it was, but I knew it didn't sound quite right, and I kept thinking about right. it, and I finally figured it out. Yeah, and also, Nick exactly. Fury's in space. It's true, but he could have sent a scroll. It's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's Talos. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that uh, after an hour, that ends our conversation on Eternals. For now, I'm sure we will find a way to bring it up again sometime in the future. Well, we we definitely will because we are going to... I do want to pose one last question for everybody as we wrap up. But we will revisit this because a few weeks ago we did our MCU rankings, our full rankings. I want to see the movie one more time before I have to rank it. So I don't want to do that quite yet. But after I'm able to see it again, maybe after the Blu-ray comes out or something, we will come back and do our rankings on that but the last question i want to pose as we wrap up is this is currently as it stands it is the only rotten rated mcu film it is by far the lowest rated mcu film does it deserve that really no 
I mean, it's like 50... deserve a rot. It's like 57% critic rating. Why do critics like it? It's not the worst MCU film to me. It's by far not the best, but it's it's not the worst. It's on the lower half. It's on the it's in the bottom yeah. half for me. Yeah, but it's not like it's not in my bottom five. No, I don't think it breaks my bottom five either. So, Mm-mm. like, why didn't the critics like it? I mean, there doesn't seem to be a real good answer to that. I mean, it's it's weird because I mean, typically movies where they reasons. spend a lot of times in the marketing talking about diversity. Those are the ones that the critics are just dying to love. No, it seemed like it was a movie that was made for the critics, and they, yes. they rejected it. So now the critics do often reject. A lot of the critics, let's, let's be real frank here, there are quite a few critics who just outright reject comic book films Yeah, that negative review every comic book film, period. Yeah. So that's why most comic books end up falling in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, mid-80s or so. Because you have a handful who are just going to bash it because it's a comic book film. Yeah. I, I don't really understand it. Now, The with over 10,000 viewer ratings, it's sitting at about 78%. Which is where I really kind of thought it would have landed with the critics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. What about you, Marissa? The, audience, the audience's opinion is the one that matters anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Marisha, where does it fall for you? Does it break your bottom five? No, I mean I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Like I liked it. It it yeah. it it's wasn't in, the yeah. most memorable nor the most forgettable MCU movie. If I broke my if I broke my rankings into three tiers, a, a top, middle, and bottom, it would be probably in the lower half of my bottom tier. But it's by no stretch in my lower bottom half tier. of the. I mean, I'm sorry, tier? lower half of my middle tier. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. That's also that's where I would place it. I don't see myself like rewatching this one for fun. Like I like to put on Disney Plus and throw on Ragnarok or Infinity War uh-huh. or something Iron like that. Man. Iron Day, Man, still Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Iron Man, I- Iron Man three. I don't. Hey, it's that time of the season. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. But I have Hawkeye to fulfill that for me. True. Um, so I don't think I'll ever be doing that. Yeah, you no. Threw Iron Man three out there just to irk me, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, I did. One hundred percent. Anybody who listens to this show already knows Iron Man three is my least favorite Marvel. Bitch. And I will say this: that's that's weird because of of any director who's ever directed a Marvel movie. Shane Black's my favorite director hmm. of the group who've actually directed Marvel movies. And that is a and Shane Black movie. My least favorite. I don't. Well, Shane Black movies do not work in the MCU for me. Of then apparently because I do not like that movie. <laughs> well, but anyway, anyway, I'll I'll bring us back. Um, any other final thoughts on Eternals? No, I think I think that sums it up for now. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll wrap it up. Um, here's what we're gonna do. Because we did promise the audience a couple things, and we're not giving them wheel of time. Uh, in one sentence, Andrew, what is your final expectation for Spider-Man No Way Home? My final prediction or like... Predic- predictions. I'm yeah. going to say three Spider-Men. Three Spider-Mans? Three Spider-Mans, is that correct? Three Spider-Menses? Manses? Menzai. Three Spider-Menzai. Spider... Sorry, Daniel. Peter Park-Eye? <laughs> 
Uh, Marisha, uh, final predictions for Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it's going to be super fun. And I, I mean, I, I think at this point, if we do not see Tobey Maguire at the very least, I'm going to be sad. That was three sentences. <laughs> and Daniel, your final expectations or predictions. A top, a top three Marvel movie. Ooh. Oh, that's wow. very, I have very, very high hopes and expectations for this one. My final one is is we will definitely be seeing the Spider-Man. I hope that this movie is about Spider-Man or Spider-Man's eye as we've established. That's yes. what I want more than anything. That was like five sentences, sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, well, with that, I will bring us to a close, unless you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap up. No, I think I'm good. Yep, I think we're good. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Science Fictionary podcast. I've been David. You guys can find me on Twitter at David underscore JG Peoples. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? Wait, you'll go last because you have lots of stuff to say. Marisha, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? You can find my Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, and I'm P Padawans on Twitter. And Daniel? I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter. And Andrew? All right, you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at the Science Fictionary at gmail.com. You can check out our other Star Wars related podcast at Coruscant Radio Underground, wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, be sure to visit red5network.com for our podcast, as well as the rest of the Red 5 Podcast Network. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a like, subscribe, comment, review, whatever you can do on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. I have nothing cool to say because Eternals didn't have any memorable lines. <laughs>